episode 2, take 1, roll 1. My name is Shiro and welcome to the channel. Annette's intersectional identity offers numerous advantages and disadvantages. She exists as a black, queer, disabled and masked woman. Each of these identities is compounded with varying forms of oppression. Undeniably, conversations surrounding this are important, but they are excruciatingly draining. Annette takes us through her lived experience while challenging us to recognize our privilege. Kay Shakespeare describes it so well when she says, Privilege isn't inherently evil. We all experience it to some degree, but it is a hell of a drug, and it can blind us to the oppression others in our own communities are facing, including oppression we might be helping to perpetuate. I hope this challenges you to have more open and empathetic conversations about how people face unique battles as they navigate compound discrimination, even within our own communities. Let's welcome Annette Atieno. What does Soji mean? Soji means sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression. And so it's an umbrella term for basically for um, sexual and gender minorities, right? Um, so it's a nice, neat abbreviation to put everyone in the umbrella kind of into one box, right? Yeah. Easy to identify, easy to use. What does it mean for you? Um, for me, it's like, it's an advocacy term, right? It's what you use when, in programming. It's, you know, I, I, usually I wouldn't use it outside of, of um, pro, like, workshops and, and reports, right? Um, but it's, it's a great way when you're speaking to issues. It's a great way to kind of focus the issues on the people. Right, and just like it captures everyone, because sometimes it's easy, especially when using um, the LGBTQIA plus plus. It's sometimes you, people are left out or don't feel represented. Um, so yeah, it's a great way to put everyone together. In the in the description, you mentioned sex and gender. Uh huh. Um, are those the same thing? Oh my god. So. How are they different? So, um, so sex. Uh, why I'm laughing is because I was just having this conversation with someone else. So sex, um, biological sex is the machinery. It's what you're, it's what the doc, you, you come out of your parent and the doctor looks at your machinery and says, based on this machinery that I can see with my eyes, this is a girl or a boy. In Kenya, right? But like in other countries, they look at other things like your hormones or whatever, blah, blah. So then your gender is like, and this is why we keep saying gender is a social construct, is like, it's what you are taught to be. So based on the machinery, you're taught that this is, um, you are a, you're a girl because your machinery looks like this, and then so now we will teach you to be this, that, or the other, right? And so then that's gender. But then I know what you mean by sex is like, do you mean just like sex? <laughs> you mean like sex as a, which sex do you mean? mean the, machinery. the machinery, okay. <laughs> With regards to the umbrella soji, mm -hmm. and if you are comfortable, mm -hmm. how would you introduce yourself? Okay, so I am a cisgendered, pansexual, homoromantic individual. So that means that sexually, I want to do the sex with everyone. But romantically, 
I want to be specifically with the same gender. Or cis means like how I identify and what my machinery presents as <laughs> is um, aligned. What does it mean for you to say those words out loud and even on camera right now? I mean, it means it's been a journey. Certain identities and certain sexual orientations are demonized, right? And so it's like, it's a whole journey of like coming into your own and just like fighting um, what you've been told and what you, especially if you come from a religious family and things like that, yeah? So like, it's a journey. Uh, like I'm in 30 months and the, I've only recently been able to say like pansexual, right? Because even just societally, there's what's acceptable, but even within the community, there's what's acceptable. And then also for a very long time, bisexuality just didn't, like it also felt like a dirty word and didn't feel like it fairly represented what I was, right? Is there, would you describe it as a moment or like you've mentioned a journey? Mm -hmm. The question is, when was the moment you knew that the words you've spoken now, mm -hmm. that that is who you are? I don't think it was a moment, I think it was like, it was several moments, right? Um, it was like a continuum, right? It was say it was like meeting a trans person and being like, oh, I want to get naked with you, and then like being around cis hetman and being like, why do I like you? Like it's so many things, right? And then realizing, okay, so within the community, I don't identify a certain way, right? And also saying the words out loud and saying like, I want this or that or the other would not be acceptable or would be seen in a certain way, right? And so it's, it's been a journey of understanding how I feel, but it's also been a journey of the language, like evolving, the language has evolved over time, right? And so as the language has evolved, I found more and more ways to express who I am or what I am and how I feel and, and my, you know what I'm saying? So it's been, it's been a thing. One of the things that really helped is just like, being on Tinder, <laughs> did I say Tinder? So being on Tinder and just like talking to different people, realizing that there are different points of attraction, right? And especially because on Tinder, like I'm a whole entire catfish. So like the, the, what I'm presenting, so like I literally go in, literally no pictures. And I'm like, so what am I in your mind, right? It's like a whole social experiment. So who am I and what am I and what do you imagine me to be? And so that's been really interesting because then you get to know someone before you get to know someone, right? Yeah. So this is an interesting one. Uh -huh. How would you describe your body in this moment? Uh -huh. uh, body referring to the vessel that has been carrying you. Uh -huh. And how has that changed over the years? To be perfectly honest, I really do not like this vessel. <laughs> I deeply, deeply despise the vessel within which I exist. Um, it has, it has and continues to fail me in so many ways. But you know, it is what it is, right? It's never really changed. Like I recognize that a lot of how I feel stems from what I've been told through the years, right? And like, you know, people are like, I don't care. But like some of these things, a lot of these things stick, especially when they come from like family and stuff, right? I don't want to say that I'm working on, on this feeling because I'm not. It's just like, I wake up, I don't like what I'm in, but like, you know, 
it holds my brain and my soul, so it will do. <laughs> it will get me to where I'm going. Are there ways in which um, it interacts with how you describe yourself in terms of the soji, like your sexual orientation and gender and... Hey, hey, but we're getting deep. It does because there are stereotypes, right? There are typical bodies, right? Even within, even under the umbrella, there's there's a lot of just like what is typically attractive, right? What is typically acceptable? What is a typical masculine identifying body, right? So there's markers for what is acceptable as ma- masculine, right? Um, although, you know, there's all this body positivity and blah, blah. Yes, yes, yay, body po- But like there's what... What is acceptable, what is seen, and what is considered attractive, right? Which is also part of going back to that whole Tinder thing is also part of just like why I don't present who I am, like who I am fully, because like I don't feel like I'm what would typically be considered an a mask body or like an attractive mask body. You know what I'm saying? So that like I do live with that a lot, and I'm not saying this pity me, please. No, it's just like. It is what it is, right? Um, yeah. So when you catch fish as mm-hmm. humans, <laughs> what is the what are some of the reactions that you've experienced when you finally do <laughs> My best my best reaction was so also because I'm disabled, my best reaction is I told some we're literally we're literally going to hook up, right? And I told this person, Oh by the way I have crutches, ghosted. Like <laughs> went completely quiet. Which is very sad because like I was really looking forward to that pipe down, but like it like went completely silent, right? Um, that's the thing is that also it means that when I'm on Tinder, I typically like it ends up just being intellectual conversation, and then like I go quiet, right? It's out of the many people I've matched with, I think I only met to like three or four or five, right? And like my fears were confirmed, like when I was in a place where I did present my full, like my full representation, I matched more with women. I mean, sorry, more with men than with women, which is just like a whole other thing, right? Uh, because I'm not, I'm not your TikTok stud. The words that you've used to describe yourself. Do you feel that you need to tell people prior, like when when there's that whole argument about labels? Mm-hmm. Uh, the need to have the labels. There are those who, you know, will explain that labels help inform the other person. Mm-hmm. And then there's the argument that I don't need to have any labels. What do you think? Do you tell people like so? This is what I am. I, th- I tell I, t- I tell people because, a lot of people, including my friends, don't see me as mask. So like then I have to vocally identify as or masculine being masculine presenting right, and so a lot of people have, including people that I call my friends, have minimized that, right? And and like, it is very, pain. And like even the last relationship I was in, they're like, I don't see you as mask, and like, it's fine if you don't see me like that, but like that's how I identify, right? And like I, I need you to see me that like like that right because it's important to my identity what are some of the words people outside of yourself have used to describe you i i don't i don't think i've ever sat like to ask people 
I mean, and when I do, it just ends up with me being hurt. Like, I'll be like, so how do you see me? And they're like, well, you're this aggressive femme. And I'm like, I'm not even. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't, I think, I don't think I've ever had that. I don't think I've ever had, not even with you. But, like, you see, like, the com- the conversations I've had before um, have framed that uh, that situation where I, I purposefully don't ask for other people's views of me because they are distorted and warped and then they'll affect how I see myself and then it's a whole thing where just like now I'm introspecting for weeks and no work gets done. So, yeah. What are some of the most common questions you get when it comes to your gender or your orientation? There's that whole, how can you be mask and also be attracted to, you know, masculine energy, right? And there's, that's a whole other conversation. But like I've never had people walk up to me like, and then you use your tongue. No, I've never had those questions. I'd love to. Oh no, but there's one that I got asked once by a nurse, but like a whole medical professional. I was like, <laughs> and we were alone in the exam room. Like I saw the fear in her eyes. <laughs> she was legit not happy. But yeah, apart from that, I don't think, I think, and that's that also goes to how sometimes it's like, okay, so am I not passing? Which is a whole other conversation, right? Do I not present as a you know a typically queer person? And what does that mean, right? So yeah. Uh, what would an ideal world look like for you or someone who is like you? First of all, can we all conserve water? <laughs> Second of all, no, like I'm serious. Water, like, like I hope this makes this in. Water is a dwindling resource. We all need to conserve water to kind of just like stay on this planet. Two, I need for people to stop. Lit- These are things close to my heart. So someone like me, right? So like I need people to be more socially conscious, right? And be more empathetic. I feel like we need more empathy um, and just be less rigid if you're like me and if we're all socially acceptable and if we're all less rigid than that it so follows that the laws change themselves right or get changed yeah what does support look like for you or how can one best be an ally to you support for me which is like the love language i am currently living in is this like chocolate and baked goods that for me is like top tier support, right? Which I get like where I'm right now, <laughs> this is strongly affirmed and strongly recognized. I, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't mean this as a joke. Like, allies need to give queer people money. Listen, listen. Money changes things, right? And money gives people power, right? And when you have money, you are better placed societally, right? To change things and to make changes, right? If I have money, I can live in a place where my life is not constantly in danger. If I have money, then on top of minorities, like a way of reducing my minority stress is for me being able to eat is me being able to be comfortable, is for me, like for, let's say for example, I'm recognizing my privilege here, right? But for a lot of queer people, and I don't want to speak for, for you know, a whole other class of people, but let's say for trans-presenting people, and if you don't completely pass, right, 
doing something as mundane as getting to a tattoo is like it's a whole it's mathematics so like i do this thing where i make friends with people who would be my attackers right so that then i'm not seen as a threat you understand i live in places where i have to make friends with all the border guys all the taxi guys so if i have money then i don't have to get into a matatu i can get into a cab where i have more control so for me a really big part of allyship is money are there ways that guys can give money? Yes. So 07, no. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these organizations um, have donate buttons on their website. So if you look for the Gulks, the Inans, the Nigel Hacks, all these organizations have um, donate buttons. Please donate um, to you know, save the world, to help them do the work that they need to do. I have to say this, um, that there's this common myth that like queer people have just like oodles of money or like have access to all this funding. This is not true, right? Um, it's just that people are able to fundraise because people's lives are at stake, literally, yeah? So, and I say this without fear, is that the queer community really knows how to, we know how to gather around each other and really take care of our siblings. And so what is basically community care then gets misconstrued as abundance of funding when it really isn't. Yeah. What do you know now? What would you tell a younger you? Don't do biochemistry. It will do you no favors. It will waste your time. Follow Martin Gidinji to the arts department when he went. No, but yeah, seriously. Um, follow your heart. And stop pretending. You really don't like that boy. <laughs> you really don't. Um, yeah. And tell your roommate you have a crush on her when you first see her. Those are the three things that I am for me. Also, um, try and buy Facebook stock. It's going to be very important in the future. Yeah. Meta. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and are keen to place faces on this amazing voices, head on to our YouTube channel, The Channel KE. And while you're at it, feel free to like, share, and rate this podcast. Till next time, this has been The Channel.